You just realize that God was in this story the whole time, but also that it's okay to say to him like, God, this seems really unfair. Why us, you know? And we want to use this story to glorify you. We want, you know, people to come to know the Lord and to learn CPR and to do all these things, but why us? Welcome to the Storytellers Live podcast, where everyday women share stories of hope found in Jesus. I'm Robin, and I am here with Katie and Lindy, and we are your podcast hosts. Today's story, I loved it. I was drawn in because it's like an intense vision into one storyline, and I was in hook, line, and sinker. So this is Elizabeth Ann Howell from Jackson, Mississippi. Yeah, you know, we're ending this month of February with a love story full of miracles, or as Elizabeth Ann refers to them, as God winks, which I use that terminology as well. But it really is a story of God's providence and His sovereignty, that He goes before us, and that as we titled it, He works upstream. And you're going to see that over and over again in Elizabeth Ann's story. And on Patreon today, we have part three of the marriage series that you do not want to miss. We've gotten such great feedback on Amy Grody and what she's doing with couples in this marriage series. And so tune in today. You can join Patreon using the link in our show notes, or you can go to our website at storytellerslive.org. Before we get to Elizabeth Ann's story today, we do want to remind you that the 2024 Stories of Hope Luncheon is right around the corner. It will be held on Wednesday, March the 13th here in Birmingham. So if you've not purchased a ticket, time is running out and seats are selling fast. We have linked in the show notes where you can purchase the tickets or you can simply go to our website and click on the 2024 luncheon banner at the top of the page. We do want to thank our sponsors, King Cotton Fabrics. You can find them at kingcottonfabrics.com. They are also located here in Birmingham and also in Montgomery, Alabama, with storefronts that house the most beautiful fabrics for your home. So check them out at kingcottonfabrics.com. Also, we want to say a big thank you to our Share the Hope sponsors, Jen Louthan Interiors and Sarah Beth Hagler Jewelry. Sarah Beth Hagler can be found at SBH Jewelry on Instagram, and you do not want to miss the opportunity to shop her beautiful estate jewelry. Sarah Beth is so creative and can come up with beautiful pieces for any occasion. So check her out on Instagram at SBH Jewelry. And lastly, Jen Louthan Interiors. Jen has been in interior design for over 25 years, and she has a passion for creating beautiful spaces in homes and really can meet you at any phase of your decorating journey. So check her out at jenlouthan.com. We have linked her website in the show notes as well, and you will not be disappointed with her attention to detail and her service. Thank you, Jen Louthan Interiors, Sarah Beth Hagler Jewelry, and King Cotton Fabrics. Here's Elizabeth Ann. I'm Elizabeth Ann Howell. I was born and raised here in the Jackson area and went to Mississippi State, graduated from there, and decided to go teach. So taught for five years, a couple of those in Atlanta, and had just moved back here and was teaching at Hartfield. And the first miracle of the story happens, and that's that Mississippi State beat LSU in 2017. And so AK and I were really excited, and so we or out, she's talking with some friends, and I start talking to this guy, and it's Tyler, and he was like, you're really from Jackson? Why would you lie about being from Jackson? Yeah, I'm from Jackson, and so he asked me to go to dinner, so we went to dinner and a concert, and the rest is history, so we got married, 
in December of 2018. And then we got married, but that summer before he had matched to do residency in Jackson. And so for internal medicine. And so we had this pool party that uh, he was like, you got to go to, we're meeting all the new residents, whatever. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm like the most non-medical person ever. He'll be like, remember in chemistry class? I'm like, dude, I was taking plant science. Like I don't remember any of that. So it's a little intimidating to go to medical events if you're me. And anyways, we go to this pool party and I meet three of these girls who are here today. I didn't realize how much their friendship was going to mean to me, you know, over the next few years, but that's, that's where we met each other was at this uh, random pool party. I love when adults do pool parties. That's a side note. Like who's really going to get in their swimsuit in front of a group of strangers? And anyways, did residency. We got married in 2018 and then Ev was born in August of 2021. There were some struggles with her pregnancy. So after she was there, I mean, you know, every every baby's a miracle, but I felt like she was she was a little bit extra. And, you know, when they're that age, you go to the pediatrician all the time. And so we go to one of our pediatrician appointments and she's like, listen, she has a heart murmur and she's had a heart murmur, but I kind of thought that it would close by now and it hasn't. You know, I really want y'all to go to Baptist, get an echo done, just figure out what's going on, kind of get a cardiologist, you know, to give some thoughts on that. So we go do that and they're like, yeah, it's there and it's pretty substantial. If it doesn't close, you know, by X date, then we'll have to go in, you know, and do a procedure to close that. And so I'm like, man, what the heck? You know, like, I feel like I just went through this whole season with her being pregnant. Like, why is this happening? You know, and so that was at the end of January. So beginning of February, if you're a, if you're a Pine Laker, you know, we do P28. And so that was my P28 was just that, Lord, like every night when I was rocking her, I think you're supposed to do it at two o'clock, but I did it while I was rocking her. And I would just pray like, Lord, Please, like, just close this hole in her heart. You know, I believe that you can do it. I know you can do it. And I'm just fervently praying, you know, every every day for the month of February. So on February 28th at Muskelly's, we had a CPR training class. And so I think I was just really tuned in because of what was going on with Ev. And so we did a CPR class and I was really excited, probably overly excited. I went home that night. It was AK's birthday and I was practicing CPR on our family members, um, doing the Heimlich. <laughs> was telling, you know, Tyler showing him my card that says like CPR certified. He was like, okay, you know, so I was really excited. I think what was going on with Ev at the time, you know, really kind of made me pay more attention, you know, and really care about it. I mean, I thought, you know, something happens in our family, obviously Tyler would be the one to respond to that. But I did think, you know, for Ev's sake, hey, it wouldn't hurt, you know, to have two parents that know what to do. Go to the pediatrician appointment. It was, I think, March 2nd. So it was right at the end of February. You know, I'm really excited. I've done the 28 days of prayer, feeling really good about it. And I go in and she's like, yeah, I mean, it's it's still there. And I just remember leaving that day and I called my mom and I was so disappointed. You know, I was just so disappointed. Well, God, I had this timeline. It was going to be so beautiful, right? It was 28 days and you were going to do this thing. It was going to be awesome. And that's not what happened. You know, I was really disappointed. And she was like, we'll check back in next time. So for the next month, you know, I just keep praying, praying, praying. And um, so we go back to the pediatrician appointment and she checks her out. She's like, great. See y'all in April. And I was like, well, what about the heart murmur? And she was like, I didn't hear it. I'm like, well, that's the most uneventful miracle I've ever like, okay, you know. So all that to say, you know, I look back now and go, that was God testing and building my faith, right? That it's this thing that I wanted to be this big moment. And it wasn't this big moment, right? Because it's not on my timetable. It's it's on his. And he knew that I needed to be zoned in in February, you know, when the CPR training was happening, you know, because he's so upstream, right? He knew what was coming down the road. So even when I'm frustrated and I'm, you know, feeling like he's not working in the way that I want him to, you know, he is. And so fast forward to December, so same year, and Tyler and I go on an anniversary trip. And we come back and our dog, Annie, has gotten kennel cough. And 
which is fine, except that if you have a small child and a dog who coughs throughout the night, you don't get much sleep. So I'm pretty frustrated that the dog has kennel cough, woke us up multiple times tonight, and, uh, but it had kind of subsided by the beginning of January. So on the morning of January 26th, I hear these noises, and I think it's Annie, right, because my ears are tuned to this dog who's been coughing. And so I sit up and I realize that it's not Annie, it's Tyler who's making this noise. And so I don't know if your husband sleep deep like mine does, but you know, like if people are dreaming, they make noises. That's really what I thought. So I roll over and kind of shake him and he doesn't respond. So I'm like, man, this man is really asleep. So I get up and I walk to his side of the bed and I'm really shaking. I'm going, Tyler, Tyler. And he's not responding. And so, like I said, I don't know anything medical, but I picked up on a couple things over the years. And one is that if you really can't get somebody to respond, you sternal rub them. So you take your knuckles and you rub it right here on somebody's chest. And if they don't wake up then, that's a big time problem. And so that's what I did and nothing. And so I run back to my side of the bed pick up the phone, call 911, and I put it on speakerphone. And so I'm pulling him off the bed like I was taught in my CPR class. And she's asking me, what color is he? And I realized that he's not making that sound anymore. He's, he's not breathing at all. His chest isn't rising and falling. I can see his eyes. You know, I realized something's really, really wrong. So she's like, ma'am, we're going to do CPR. I'm like, girl, we already do a CPR. So I'm singing Staying Alive because that's what they had taught us at the class. And it feels like a little bit of a scene from the office. But that's what I was doing. She's like, ma'am, what are you doing? We're, we're counting. We're counting. And so for nine minutes, I did CPR. And the lady walked me through it. I'm giving them directions to our house. And I'm just confused, right? It's, it's 3.40 in the morning. Like part of me is like, is this really happening? You know, is this one of these weird dreams where you're going to wake up in a second and go, oh, it's terrifying, you know, and and it wasn't. Did CPR until the fluid police officer got there. And so when he got there, he took over chest compressions and I got up and called my parents because I realized, you know, something's really wrong and Everly's there, you know? And so praise the Lord, my parents live right up the road from me. And so I call my mom and I just say, Tyler's not responding. Like you have to come over. And I'm sure I was crying. Um, but my mom thought not responding to a text message. And so she thought that he had gone to work out or something and that he wasn't responding to my call. So she was like, Oh, he seems a little dramatic at 4 a.m., but all right, we're coming. So, so she pulls on the street, which I think also is a little God wink, right? If she realized what was happening, you know, the as a mom, like how frantic you would be, but she pulls on the street and sees all the lights and realizes that it's that kind of not responding, you know? So in the meantime, I've called my parents. I called Tyler's parents, and they live in Loosedale, which is about two and a half hours away. And I'm like, you have to come, you know? And they're like, what's happened? I'm going, I, I don't know, you know? So my parents um, are on the way. His parents are on the way. And I just started thinking to myself, okay, I mean, I, I have to come up with a plan here, you know? And so I'm like, well, I know who, I know one person he would want me to call, and that's Samer. And so um, that's Megan's husband. And they live right up the street from us, not too far. And most people who do residency or med school. They live in Jackson. And so um, we're we're two of the few people who live on the Rankin County side of town. So I call Samer and he doesn't answer. And I call Samer and he doesn't answer. And I call Samer a third time and he still doesn't answer. And so then I got smart and I called his wife. And so Megan answers. I said, hey, you know, are, are you with Samer? And she was like, well, yeah, what's going on? You know, it's 4 a.m. And I'm like, something's happened with Tyler. I don't know, but like, can he please come? And so she said, yeah, yeah, he's on the way. Are you at the house? So about that time, you know, I realized that they've closed my bedroom door. And I think I realized then, right, like this is, you know, it's bad. But like I said, I have no medical training. I don't I know what I saw, but I, I don't necessarily know what that means. I think the whole time in my head, I thought he had had like a seizure, right? Because that's the only thing that would make sense for somebody who's perfectly healthy, 32, 
that would happen, you know, randomly like that. But I think I realized then that's not what happened, right? I, I don't know what's happened, but this is this is really bad. And so they bring him out and they're like, we're, you know, we're going to take him to UMC, but you can't ride with us in the ambulance. And that's when it really hit me like this is, this is really, really, really bad. So I just tell my mom, I need somebody to go hold of, you know, I think a lot of people in the room are moms. And I think that was my biggest thing at the time, right? If people are just going to stop breathing at this house, you know, I, I want my baby girl held. And so I told my mom to do that. And they're loading Tyler in the ambulance and they've shut the doors. And about that time, Caleb, who saw it, says it looked like uh, a scene from Fast and Furious. That Sam pulls up in his car at 100 miles an hour, does the Tokyo Drift parks, and runs up and looks in the back of the ambulance and sees that he's already in. And that's why we love Samer, is that uh, he can pull this off. He just hops in the ambulance with them, and they let him. And so praise the Lord for that. But in the nursery, my mom's rocking up, and you can see the lights pulling out of our driveway, you know, down the street. And she said that Ev, who was asleep, she had picked her up asleep out of her crib. And she's asleep. My mom's just rocking her. She lifts her head up and goes, Dada. And so I think, you know, we've talked a lot about that, but it's like, I think that was the start of a long line of people who were praying for Ev. I mean, praying for Tyler, you know, and I think it started, started with Ev. All that to say, I think that God put Tyler and us on a lot of people's hearts during this season, you know, and I think that it's really sweet that he that he started with Baby Girl, you know, but that did leave me with Big O as we headed to uh, Merit Health. So if y'all know my dad, um, you know, that was a very interesting situation, but we, they're headed to UMC and are basically like, listen, we're going to have to stop at Merit, you know, right there across from Prep, um, you know, he's, he's not going to make it to UMC. And so Samer was in the ambulance in the meantime, and they're Cycling is pressure, and it was 60 over 30, um, which is not good. They get him to merit and start running tests, and, you know, they realize that he's going into V-fib, right? And like I said, I don't know anything medical, but I know that your heart's supposed to do this. And when you go into V-fib, your heart does this. And so it's not pumping blood. And so they had shocked him three times at our house, and so they get him to merit. And in the ambulance, there was no way to intubate him. There was no way to start lines on him. So when they got to merit hospital, Samer helped the doctor there intubate him and start lines and do things that only a critical care doctor would know how to do. And so Samer is a uh, anomaly in that he really enjoys these things. You know, that's that's what he had done. He had, you know, done some moonlighting there. And, you know, Tyler had always said, like, there's nobody who knows what to do in a situation like that, you know, better than Samer. So the fact that this is the person who rode in the ambulance with him from our house to the hospital is now there at the hospital, you know, helping with this truly is just such a miracle. So we're there and you're just, you're waiting. I haven't seen him. I don't know, you know, what's going on. About that time, Drew Daniels had shown up, Jerry Shepard had shown up, and so Sam was texting them, and they're getting pictures of the um, read before they shocked him, and they're like, yeah, this is this is really, really bad. And I think they also knew at that point, I had done CPR for nine minutes, then the police officer got there, but the EMTs weren't there. His heart didn't get shocked for, we assumed, to be 15-ish minutes, if not longer. And so to go that long in VFIB, and then his labs start coming back that no, his organs hadn't been properly oxygenated, like nothing in, you know, his body had gotten proper blood flow, you know, because of what had happened. And so you immediately know if all these other organs weren't getting oxygen, well, neither did his brain. And so I think they knew at that point, like, he's okay, he's stable, he's on a vent, but like, they realized what I hadn't realized at the time, which is life's probably going to look really different for, for Tyler and EA going forward. And so, but we're there and... Like I said, with Big O, who has his pants up to here, his shirt tucked in, 
AK and I have spray tans with like little Oompa Loompas and we're just a disheveled group, you know, and sobbing, crying, you know, and just trying to, trying to piece it all together. It's 4.30 in the morning, you know, like how in the world did we go to bed last night watching the Mindy Project eating leftovers and now we're here, you know, it's pitch black dark outside, like none of this makes any sense. The lady who was working the front desk at Merritt, I think just saw that I needed somebody to love on me and so she came out from behind the counter and just hugged me and y'all prayed the most powerful prayer over me and just, you know, declared in Jesus' name that Tyler would be completely healed and said, Satan, you have no foothold here and just loved me and hugged me and did what I needed my mom to do, you know, when I was when I was with Big O. And so, you know, I, I just think I just think back what obedience that had to have taken, right? How easy is it to just stay behind the counter, right? And say, I need to go make some coffees. This girl, you know, seems really upset and she didn't right. She was she was obedient when God obviously prompted her to come out and pray for me. I don't think she had any idea what that meant to me and what that's meant to my story, you know, even even going forward. So Samer and Drew were there, like I said, and they arranged transportation for Tyler to get to UMC. So like I said, they're cardiology fellows along with our friend Andy. And so they were like, we need to get him to UMC where we can, you know, help take care of him, get him a higher level of care. So they transfer him there. We're waiting on the critical care ambulance to arrive, and Tyler's parents had gotten there at that point, and the Hendersons had come, and we're outside in Caleb's car, parked outside the ER, and there's, what else do you do? You know, you just, you pray. And so it was actually my brother Caleb that said, yeah, I just feel like God has laid the word whole on my heart, W-H-O-L-E. And I'm just praying that Tyler is going to be made whole, you know. And so that was just our prayer from the parking lot before I ever laid eyes on him. That like, God, I'm believing that you're going to do this, you know, because what else is there to do? They get him into an ER bay and go in there and see him for the first time. And like I said, you know, you go to bed normal as ever with a spray tan, you know. The next time you see your husband, he's intubated and has lines out the wazoo and I, I mean you see that in a TV show but like I said I don't I don't see that on a normal basis you know and so that was really hard to see but I think reflecting back I cannot imagine what that was like for his mom you know to see him like that and I think anybody in here who's a mom I mean talk about a, a nightmare we just loved him and held his hand and talked to him and prayed over him because once again what else is there to do they're getting him transferred to a room and as if uh, Sam or Megan hadn't done enough already, they go up and they get us, they make sure that we have Caitlin, who was the most precious ICU nurse in the whole world. So we get moved up to the ICU. And I think at the time, I don't know if it was ICU rules or I think they were still under somewhat COVID precautions at the time, but there was a while where it was just me and Tyler in there. And, you know, she just was like, just talk to him, EA, you know, what else? kind of what else can you do, you know? And so I just remember being in there and just praying over him and going, God, like you have to move. You have to do something, right? Like nobody's come out and said this to me, but you can tell when all of your friends are just saying, I'm sorry, instead of saying it's going to be okay, you know, that you're you're in a bad spot. I just prayed over him and just sang praise and worship music over him. I kind of thought that would make him come too with my singing, but uh, it, it didn't. Um, and about that time, uh, the doctor comes in and introduces himself, and he says, I'm Dr. Andy Wilhelm. And so it's like, this guy kind of looks familiar, and he was like, I think that the last time I saw Tyler was at the barn Christmas party last month. And I was like, really? And so his daughter rides horses at the same place that I do. And so I'm thinking back, like, he did tell me he saw somebody. And, y'all, we had gotten in the car that night after the barn Christmas party, and I 
buckled up in her car seat. I'm like, where is Tyler? And he comes to the car and he goes, that is crazy. I just saw Andy Wilhelm. I trained with him at UMC. And man, if anything ever happened to me, that's the guy I would want taking care of me. And he's starting a 36-hour shift, which was the 36 hours that Tyler spent in the cardiac ICU. It's like, you can look at all of these things as a coincidence, right? And go, that's just crazy. But it's not crazy, right? Like that's the Lord. And he's just upstream the whole time, right? And he's working these things out. And so around this time, he would, he would start he would wake up, right? He would open his eyes. Um, but like I said, he's on a ventilator. They have him in restraints because, you know, he was on a lot of medicine and so kind of didn't know also what his cognitive function was when you don't want him to do something like pull the vent out, you know, pull the lines out. So he would kind of open his eyes. And there were a couple of times that I'm like, I think he made eye contact with me, you know, but then it's like, is that just me really wanting him to do that, you know, or, or is he really doing that? And so family's coming in, just continuing to pray over him. And so it was that night uh, that he opens his eyes and he looks around and I'm like, do you know where you are? And he went, mm-hmm, nods his head. And I was like, okay. And so I said, you're going to be okay. And he goes, Mm-mm. and I think he realized, I mean, he had trained in the ICU, right? He knew if you're here and on event, that's a bad situation. And so later on that night, he, like I said, the medicine kind of starting to wear off. And so he wakes up and he moves his hand, like I want to write something. And so at this point, they had kind of, you know, told me, you're really not going to know anything for about 48 hours. You know, we kind of don't know what the situation's going to be. Obviously, he's gone a long time without oxygen EA, you know, and nobody, like I said, nobody ever said it outright. But I, I mean, you understand what people are hinting out on this. And so he asked her right. And so I'm like, get the man a clipboard, you know, so they do and they get him some paper and a Sharpie. And the very first thing he writes is extubate me. And I was like, I think he's okay, you know, like if he does, I don't even want to spell that. This didn't happen to me, you know. And then the next thing he wrote is, what happened? And so I explained to him that he had gone into cardiac arrest and, you know, we were at home and his eyes just get really big. And he then writes, ICD, question mark. And he knew then if he had gone into cardiac arrest that he was going to need a defibrillator. And I'm like, I think his brain's okay, you know, or at least it's like, you know, I mean, things are coming together a lot more than I thought they were going to come together, you know, and so they left him intubated through the night. You can only stay visiting hours or however long when you're in the ICU. So I go home that night and the next morning I'm getting ready, ready to go back up there and I get a FaceTime call and it's from Tyler Howell. I'm like, what? So I answer the phone and somebody goes, what's up? what's up with you? You know, like, I got some questions for you. How about that? So they had, they had taken the tube out. They had excavated him. So they had taken the tube out. He's talking to me like, yeah, that's crazy. Can't believe, you know, you did CPR and you remembered that. I'm going, I can't believe I'm talking to you. Like, this is 24 hours, you know, after this has happened. Like, how in the world, you know, is this the situation? And so obviously rushed back up to the hospital there was a time during that day, and I think any of my friends in here uh, remember this, that, yeah, he did make sense, but he also repeated himself constantly. And turns out that was the medicine, but I did. There was a moment there where I was like, I'm going to live with Dory from Finding Nemo. And I'm so glad, like, I'm so excited about that, you know, because he would say, so I had, so I went to cardiac arrest. Yes. That is crazy. So I went to cardiac arrest. Yes. That's so crazy. I'm like, uh-huh. And I remember Sam at one point was like, you told us, Tyler. We got it. You know, and so I'm going, all right. They're like, it's the medicine. You know, you just can't. His brain is not, is, he's not out of the fog yet, you know. We ended up spending the next seven days at UMC, and he got an ICD on day five. So if you ever go to Target or any of the stores and you see the big boxes on the wall, you know, that are defibrillators, he has one of those implanted in him now. So if this 
were to ever happen again, he now has an insurance policy. He says, uh, if he kicks out, it will kick in is the, you know, beautiful way that he says that. So got that and we, we go home. And so it's like you get to that part of the story and it's, there, there are no more big events. There's no more, you know, dramatic, whatever. It's like you just go back home and you go back to regular life. But then it's like, man, what's regular life after this has happened? And so, first of all, praise the Lord for Lisa, who's my counselor that I'd already been talking to long before any of this happened. But she really helped me walk through a lot of that just because it is a little scary. And, you know, it does produce a lot of anxiety when these things that, you know, I'm a planner, I like to think through, you know, this is what's going to happen and this is what I'm going to do, you know, and I think even joking around being like, if anyone chokes, you know, after I learned CPR, I'm showing people what we're going to do and for things to go not the way you think they're going to go, right? And for your beautifully executed plan, you know, to not go the way you thought it was going to go, I mean, that's, that's really scary, you know, and I think Looking back now, you know, it's been nine-ish months, and obviously there's little pieces of the story that I feel like have just, God has really revealed that He just was in it the whole time, you know, from four years ago when I went, when I met my friends, you know, who were at the hospital who just kept showing up and loving on me, showing up and loving on me, showing up and loving on me. And I remember Katie, you know, you came up and just sat with my mom, you know, and they were like, Katie came, you know, and Megan, who's showing me the back entrance on how to sneak in, you know, the hospital so that she can come see Tyler. And, you know, Christina, who just showed up and just loved on us and spent time with us because spending seven days at UMC is not anything that I recommend, you know, to any of my closest friends. But you just realize that God was in this story the whole time. But also, like, that it's okay to say to him, like, God, this seems really unfair. Like, why us, you know? And we want to use this story to glorify you. And we want, you know, people to come to know the Lord and to learn CPR and to do all these things, but like, why us, you know? And so I think I struggled a little bit with feeling that way. And then once again, in God's perfect timing, you know, does Chip do a sermon series, I mean, a sermon series on Psalms, you know, how it's okay to say that he can handle that, you know, he can handle when I say like, I don't get this and I'm a little frustrated about it. Like, why us, you know? And, you know, I'm a little anxious to begin with. So why would you give me this thing, you know, that I feel like that is topped onto my anxiety? Like, why did this happen? And he can handle that, you know, and I think that it's helped me grow my relationship with the Lord too, you know, just to realize I don't have to understand, you know, in the same way that I didn't understand what was happening with Everly at the time, but now I better understand, right? I don't think I fully understand it still, but I better understand it, that it's okay to just come to him and say, look, this is the way I'm feeling. This is how I don't understand it, but help me to just feel peace in the middle of it. Help me to, you know, use it to glorify you, you know, because like when I was starting talking today, this isn't an easy story to tell, you know? I mean, you you think back on a lot of those details and it's hard, you know? It's really hard. And I think for the most part, it's a lot of exposure therapy, right? Where it happened is where we sleep every night. And so you just don't think that much about it. But it's been several weeks now, but Ev uh, has learned to play hide and seek. And so we were playing hide and seek and I ran in the bedroom and I just knelt down by the side of the bed. You can't really hide from a two-year-old, but I knelt down by the side of the bed and it was like a kick in the stomach, right? Like, holy smokes. I was here doing this exact thing, but doing CPR on my husband nine months ago, you know? And so for him to be the one chasing behind her, you know, while she's looking for me, like, 
It's like how how in the world did God write just this beautiful story? You know that, and it's it's hard to tell. You know the details are hard to tell because it was a lot. You know, and and there's just so many things about it though that like I just am starting to see His hand and just see how even in the middle of something like that, y'all, He's all over it. You know, He's all over it, and so I think it gives me a lot of hope and I don't want anyone to ever hear our story. You know, a lot of people go, man, that's really scary. And it's like, well, yeah, it is. But I want people really to just feel the hope that like, there's nothing that you go through that he's not in the middle of. There's nothing, there's no season you're going to walk through that he, you know, can't take you saying, hey God, what the heck, you know, or why me? Or I, I just, I just don't understand. But then I think the beautiful part of it is, you know, to reflect back from nine months ago and just go, you're just in the middle of it with me, you know, and I think looking around the room at the number of people who prayed over us, y'all, people just would drive around UMC and be like, I'm just driving the parking lot and I'm praying for y'all. And to spend seven days in UMC with the kind of peace that we did is only because all of y'all were praying for us. And there were people all over the place that were praying for us, you know, from Ev to whoever, you know, I think there were people in other countries praying for us, you know, and I just know that the Lord heard our prayer on that. And so I think Another big thing that I've learned through that is just to be intentional and to be obedient. You know, how many times do we see stories, you know, on on social media or do you see an ambulance pass you, you know, on Lakeland Drive? And how many times do we stop and actually pray for those people, you know? And I think it's made me a lot more intentional to do that just because somebody somewhere, you know, the the Lord hears our prayers. You know, He does. And when I started, um, when we all started praying just the word whole over Tyler, man, did he do that? You know, he did. There's there's not a single thing wrong with Tyler. He was back at work within a month. And people even still be like, how is your husband? I'm like, he's fine. What do you mean? He's been fine, you know? But I mean, I think to know the details of that story, that's a very fair question, you know, to ask. And so I'd never want to lose the magnitude of the miracle, you know, of, of what he's done in Tyler's life through the prayers of of everybody here. So I'm really, really thankful for all of you who, walk through this season with us. And I think my challenge would just be intentional to pray for people when you say you're going to pray for them and to stop and walk alongside people and just to do little things like drop off a coffee and just truly be the hands and feet of Jesus, which is what so many people were to us during that season. Okay, both of you mentioned this in the intro, but this was like a dateline for me. And I love dateline. And I was hanging on every word, just like what you said, Robin, because in the beginning, I was thinking, oh, something's going to happen to that baby. And then it was her husband. And I, I was just hanging on, but I knew it had to be okay because she was so joyful, but I, I just couldn't figure it out. And it was such mm. a beautiful picture, as she said, that God goes before us. God works upstream. I mean... Like literally in every detail, it was pretty crazy how God prepared her every single step for the one moment. Listen, Mm -hmm. I wrote down all those steps. I mean, from the daughter's heart murmur to her taking CPR to the dog's kennel cough. I mean, did y'all yeah. even think about that? Because right. she was what, she was expecting him to be coughing, and it, it was actually Tyler. To Samar living up the street, being the one to intubate Tyler, the nurse in the hospital praying over her, to the doctor that they knew who was working that weekend. You can look at all of those things, as she said, as just coincidences. But And I love the terminology that she used. It was just God working upstream. He is continually 
marching before you, as Deuteronomy 31.8 tells us. You know, that verse is one that I chose in the newsletter because He is the one who is with you, and He's not going to let you down, and He's never going to abandon you, so you don't need to be afraid or scared. And that's really what Elizabeth Ann's purpose of her story was, I think, in telling us all of those things, that He is always preparing and going before us. Well, and here at Storytellers, y'all know that we say God is in the details of our lives. He is present. Whether it He is going before you or behind you, He is always in the details. And if you don't believe that, this is a perfect story to see that in action. And you know, towards the end of her story, she talked about her struggle a little bit. You know, she's so funny that you kind of feel like listening to this story, it was just <laughs> right. like, well, yeah. his heart stopped, yeah. and then he yeah. went to the hospital, yeah. and now he's fine. So I really did appreciate her talking about going to counseling and sitting mm. in that struggle of, why us? Yeah. Like, they're so young. Why us? And I think no matter what you walk through, you can do that. You mm-hmm. can you can sit and go, why our family? And it's okay. God can handle that. And then he meets us. We we know that hard things happen to everyone and no one is immune. But it's also okay to process that between you and the Lord. And her counselor gave that permission. And you know what their pastor said? Go read Psalms. That's mm-hmm. what Psalms is. It is a why me, uh-huh. you know, really start to finish. And she said... We don't have to understand it. At some point, you might and you might not, but you can wrestle with the Lord and He can handle it and you can be in a place of not understanding. And so what a way to end a really powerful story and a really powerful 48 hours. You know, I think her challenge that she gave really all of us and to herself was to live life intentionally um, because of that. She said she never wanted to lose the magnitude of the miracle that happened that night. And there were so many little miracles mm-hmm. along the way. But I do think that, you know, the challenge, we always like to, to have a challenge for ourselves and for you, is to really think about those little miracles that where God has shown up in your life and live intentional because of that, live in remembrance because of that. Yeah, she said you can live your life as nothing is a miracle yeah, or as everything, everything is a miracle, and it's all in our perspective. So thank you, Elizabeth Ann, for making us laugh, for <laughs> being a great storyteller, and really giving us hope at the end of just looking for the miracles. If this is a story, really these This whole month has Mm -hmm. been stories of relationship. If you know people that need to hear this, that need encouragement, and just any relationship around them, they're perfect to share. So we would love for you to text them to a friend, share them online, tag us. We'd love to see what you're listening to, what you like to hear. You can even rate and review, and we read those reviews, and we're so, so thankful. So have a great week, and we will talk to you on Monday with our first Monday freebie. Bye. Bye.